Blended. Welcome to Marketing Blend. All right, guys, I bring you everything from marketing in one nice little cup for you to drink. Uh, you know, because you can drink on your own digitally, though. I cannot give it to you physically. It would be impossible. But you can download this podcast anyways, because that would be really helpful. Anyways, I'm your host, Brett Dicer, and let's get on with the marketing news. All right, there, uh, Facebook is uh, pushing more into uh, live streaming video. Uh, they've been doing this in the past and they're starting to do it more and more. Now they're adding a lot more new features to it. A uh, couple tidbits is they're allowing uh, broadcasters to doodle and even put um, filters on their live video, which is weird and interesting. So they're trying to make it almost like Snapchat in a way. And so that is an interesting, uh, interesting little thing that's going on about that. Because uh, Snapchat's really popular, it has been getting has a lot of a lot of followers, especially younger ones. A lot of businesses are getting into it, so Facebook is trying to find a way to, well, a go up against Snapchat and b go up against Periscope because Periscope is owned by Twitter and Periscope is very popular in the live streaming uh, sector of social media. I kind of sec- it's a little bit sectioned out because it's a little bit newer. Uh, a little bit more different than anything else so far uh, because uh, most video has been not live unless you count Google uh, Hangouts or on air. I should say Google Hangouts on air. Uh, so it should be interesting to see what actually happens and what actually transpires uh, from that. So I'm kind of excited to see what happens. Uh, the other thing that's going to be interesting for marketers to need to understand is that now you can actually stream live videos through groups and through event pages. Uh, this is a big thing for event pages specifically because uh, it's making events, especially for brands, even more important. And it helps people encourage, encourage people to, uh, you know, share their live streaming through your event so people can know more about your event and maybe next year can be even bigger. Uh, also having just live video plastered throughout the ev- your event pages prior to setup is also a good way of promotion. So seeing uh, the main room, uh, having um, live interviews with your uh, keynote speakers or other speakers that are going to go on in your event is just even more important. Also, just having live video for people to see what the events what the events all about, and then saying, "Hey, if you want to come next year, we have even more planned. Plus, uh, you get to hang out with people as well. So maybe you should go and do it." Yes. Uh, so, like I said before, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, two extra little things is that they do have a website dedicated uh, to live streaming called Facebook Live Map, where it shows you where around the world people are live streaming. And the bigger the circle, the darker the blue, the more people are live streaming, obviously. There's also going to be, uh, they're also adding two matrix, metrics, matrix, metrics to uh, insights called live uh, broadcast audience, uh, data to count the total number of w- watchers during a live broadcast and viewers during live broadcast, which is a visual representation that shows the number of viewers during different moments throughout a live broadcast. So you can kind of see what were the high moments in the broadcast, what people actually liked, and also what people actually didn't like about it. So those are two things to actually um, pick up on, try to figure out as well. Uh, so it's interesting uh, to see that what Facebook's doing. Also to see that uh, insights are already built into it. Uh, 
Periscope kind of does have it, but not really. This is more of more in-depth uh, insights. So this is a one-up to Periscope because Periscope can give you how many people are liking and commenting, which you can do now, by the way, with live streaming for Facebook. But uh, beyond that, it's not really much. So Facebook does have a little bit of a leg up with Periscope, but I'm pretty sure Periscope is going to push out something pretty quickly or they should be considering that as well because they kind of need to to keep, you know, competitive. All right, are you looking for, well, to blog or is your company looking for a new blogging platform? Well, uh, yesterday Medium pushed out a publisher's version of Medium. And this is a way for them to, um, you know, get their blogging platform even bigger. It's already really popular. It's a really great platform. Uh, the only downside is that you really just don't have any control over what goes on and any changes they make you have to deal with. So that is kind of a negative to it. The positive side of it is, is that there is zero time you got set up, zero money to actually use, and they're going to have it eventually uh, be compatible with uh, accelerated mobile pages and uh, instant articles for Facebook. So it should be interesting to see what actually happens with this. Also, if you are pretty popular on Medium, there are different avenues for you to monetize it. There is a subscription uh, option, uh, so you can get uh, subscribers to pay five or ten dollars a month, or um, that's uh, that's what Medium kind of recommends to start. You can do more if you want to, uh, but. I'd be careful about doing too much. Uh, there, one important thing to uh, to understand is that Medium will take about twenty percent of the cut of the revenue, so that's another downside to it. Your blog, especially if you do WordPress, yes, you have to f uh, either find a uh, designer to design your web page and find a self-hosting site and make sure everything is up uh, up on the up. And there's a all there's a lot of different developers and uh, meetups to figure all that out as well. Um, and you get to control everything, including the revenue, or there's the medium side with it. If you do it, they do will take a cut, obviously, because they are a business, too. So that, that should be interesting as well. Um, another way for them to, for you to advertise through medium is if you can, if, as medium claims, uh, consistently produce meaningful, original content and maintain a loyal following of engaged readers. Uh, then you can have branded posts on the Medium domain with sponsored links, including at the bottom of their own post, and get a cut of results of resulting revenue. So that is another. There's two ways of doing it. Um, like I said before, this should be interesting to see if uh, some uh, brands actually do this. I know Twitch has already uh, moved over from their site to this to Medium, and a lot of other companies have done it as well. Uh, Meerkat has done it. Uh, Blab is on there as well. So there's always there's already a lot of brands already on there. It's pretty robust for what it is, and it's super easy to use. A lot of different tools. So if you are looking for a blogging uh, platform specifically to blog, this is a really good one to try out, check out, even do both if you already have a blog set up, because you can import stories as well, which I'm doing just to you know try it out because it's free. I mean. Anything wrong with free? Hey, 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 all right. And here's my here's one of the biggest things is that bots. Now, if you don't understand, bots became really, really popular when uh, Slack really took off, 
and bots were a part of Slack's platform to answer redundant questions or stocks or anything else that, comp uh, that the programmer or a business that made the bot uh, would do for it. And there were this is a wide variety of bots through Slack. It's kind of fun. Well, Kick has now opened their bot shop for users. And it should be interesting to note that this could be the new version of there's an app for that. It could be now called there's a bot for that because bots are, I would say, kind of AI-ish. And for good reasons, marketers should be keeping an eye on this because this is a this is an even better way to get to implement branded messages or find a fun way of doing things, especially if you're in an entertainment business, of getting people to share little clips or whatever else you want on the bots. Um, I know this is more tech oriented, but I'm pretty sure nonprofits could find a way of giving stats or facts about uh, whatever cause you are supporting so for water saying how many people go without clean water and then what money helps out or something like that as well um so it should be interesting to see what happens uh as of right now there's only a few bots so there's vine there's the weather channel there's sephora's on there as well um so there is a it, there is a cross between um fashion and entertainment because of vine um so figuring out a way to actually use bots and actually make it really engaging is one of the best ways to get your uh, brand name out there. It would be more of an intriguing way of doing a one-on-one -on -one interaction as well. Um, just be sure you hire a really good programmer. Uh, that's just another great way as well of you know getting your brand out there and not, uh, not spending as much money as big, huge campaigns out there so it should be looked at at least because it like i said before it's interesting to see what uh what is transpiring through the bots because bots have only just taken off recent in the i would say the last year they started to really hit their stride uh microsoft has committed to uh, putting bots into skype you have kick you have slack that's already done that um so more and more uh Social media messaging uh, businesses are trying to implement that as well. I know Facebook's trying to do that with their messenger. So, like I said, it should be interesting to see in the next few years what happens to the bots and if they actually do take off and if they actually are a really viable uh, engagement tool. Um, I'm saying it's going to be a yes because of the popularity of them already. But... We'll wait and see. I would say look into it and look at the data and keep track of what's going on with all that because it's really important to understand what's actually happening to that. All right, there is an interesting uh, data analysis through Marketing Land because uh, I did not do this at all. Uh, what they did is they scoured and looked at uh, 4,700 tweets to find out if long tweets were actually better than short tweets. And the short answer is no. Um, some of them are, some aren't really not. Uh, the shorter ones actually get a little bit more engagement than the longer ones. Um, uh, but a lot of celebrities do, well, a lot of them, uh, a lot of celebrities do really long, long tweets. Um, that's kind of what they do, either through branded messages or whatnot. Um, but like I said before, it really just depends on the tweet. Uh, so I'm 
as a personal standpoint, I'm not in favor of longer tweets. I think it kind of goes against what actually Twitter is. Twitter is a very short form way of getting communication out. Now, granted, a lot of people try to do rants on Twitter and it's not really the greatest platform because you don't have um, the, the amount of space to actually form a really uh, good argument. You have 140 characters to form a very weak uh, ultimatum, as I would call it. So I would I'll always be careful about that. Now what's interesting is Marketing Line uh, collected the mo uh, the most recent Twitter tweets sent by a social maker list of 100 most followed brands. Celebrities and media companies, after excluding retweets and replies, the set contained 4,751 tweets, 301 from brands, and 1,742 from celebrities, and 2,407 from media companies. We then grouped the tweets into segments by increments of 10 characters and calculated on average number of retweets. Uh, uh, the tweets got for those characters. Um, as a dot C, um, it looks, it still looks like, uh, it's kind of a hit or miss. It's kind of all, brands kind of get in the middle, they get the most. Um, if you go longer, it kind of go down. Uh, celebrities, it is, if you give a little bit longer posts, it's great. And media companies, it's kind of a little bit lower on the longer side, but not too long. So I'd say about 125 to 120 characters are one of the best uh, spots. Um, like I said before, it is interesting uh, because... Brands are more in the middle, so you hit that sweet spot about 120 uh, characters instead of 140 because you start to dip too low of characters and it just doesn't take off. Uh, for celebrities, it can be a little bit on the longer side. It kind of depends. It could be on the shorter side. Once again, it depends. And for media companies, if you hit more towards m using most of the tweets, it helps a lot so like I said it just depends depends on business you are it depends on who you are so on and so forth so I would say the range of 120 to 130 characters is probably the best sweet spot you can actually uh, come up with and that's gonna give you the most engaging now understand your tweets can be in that sweet spot but if they aren't really engaging if the article is not very good if the picture's boring or the video's boring, then, well, that's your own strategy's problem. You gotta figure that out. But it's interesting to see that depending on the industry, it all depends. I said depends twice. I love my depends, but not those. All right, um, there are some tools out there and some recent new tools. Now, uh, SurveyMonkey, yes, the ever popular um, site to do surveys is now getting into more of the data analytics service with SurveyMonkey Intelligence. Now it's interesting because there is a paid service. You can have about two platforms for the free one and then after that you have to pay more. Uh, you can basically link almost anything from Google Play Store to Apple Store, Facebook, Instagram, and so much more. It's like I said, it's interesting to see how they're transitioning into this, especially since there's so many people doing data analysis, they're kind of already getting into a very crowded space. Now, if you're looking for the better data analysis, this actually might be a really good one for you as well. So I would check it out. I will put this in um, the show notes. 
since I'm kind of doing the, you know, apps you should check out, or programs you should check out first, are in the middle because I'm trying to switch it up. Yo, hey y'all. Uh, now there's another one called a Zandu uh, Mobile, and this is a way for you just, you know, to stay update with what your team is doing and kind of get the most feedback through it. Now it's on uh, the Apple Store and the Google Play Store as well, so it doesn't matter. It's all, they don't care. It's get it, we want you to use it type of a thing, which is a great thing. I do like when businesses have both apps on both places because it just gives them a lot more. Now what you can do is you can do tasks. You can do direct messages. Uh, there's also notification. There's 3D Touch for iOS only, obviously. Uh, and there's subjects as well, and there's an activity feed to kind of see what people are doing. Uh, this is pushed across all platforms, so you can do it through your desktop or laptop, tablet, or phones. Uh, so I would just check it out, I'll put it in the show notes as well. And uh, my one last thing before I get into some more other news, uh, there is a new headline um, analyzer um, I shared with uh, one a little bit recent, uh, a couple weeks ago from Codot Schedule was actually pretty good, but this one's called Hemingway Beta. Now, don't be confused with the Hemingway writing uh, software. That's a little bit different. So this one will will check out how engaging your headline is because, to be perfectly honest, the hardest thing for me to do is to write a dang headline. It's it's mind numbing, mind numbingly frustrating sometimes when I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to write why is it so hard so this is just to help you out i would check out both check out uh code.schedule blog and, and title analyzer and this one hemingway beta i'll put both of them in the show notes for you so you can try it out because it's it's a good way just to figure out which one is right for you because you gotta figure it out all right now i'm gonna move on to my segment that I want to talk about, which was about emailing, email lists, and email newsletters. Now, it's it's very important for every business every business to actually have one. If you don't, I would start to make one up now. Uh, put a way for people to sign up on your website, on your social media channels as well, especially Facebook. There's a lot of different ways of doing that as well. Um, but make sure that you have one. Also, I would start off by saying... Uh, make a really great title for it. Like, make it... If you're going to do a newsletter, you you should name it something. I know a lot of businesses actually don't do that, but I think if you want to really differentiate yourself from other ones, naming it is not a bad idea. So I name mine Digital Brewers, where I... Because I give you once a... Um, it's a monthly one uh, email newsletter, so it's brewing up uh, something for people to see. I'll put... Oh, stuff that people may have missed. I'll also put some things that I won't actually put on my blog into this as well, just to give it a little bit of a different flavor and to, you know, make people feel important that they actually signed up and got something different. Um, that is a really great way of just building community as well. Uh, so I would check, I would make sure it's in line with your branding messages and the personality that you are actually doing as well. So if it's not really a part of it, I would not actually use it at all because it can be really confusing for people and they may not understand that this is from your company. Now, I would use a uh, program to kind of, you know, put down that, hey, subscribe to this type of thing as well. There's a lot of different ones. I use a, a pin monster. 
Uh, that's actually a really good one. A lot of people say it's a really great, great one. I've had a lot of success with it. Um, I'm approaching 300 uh, subscribers, so that's actually a really great thing. Uh, and it's just a really good thing. Now, uh, for the call to action, I would do something a little unique, but understandable to what they're actually doing. So put in, hey, like, get the latest and exclusive news from your, your brand or company. And then I... And then my call to action button is, is get brewed or brewed here or become a brewer or s that's kind of like my call to actions that I was playing around with as well. So play around with it, uh, figure out what's really good in line with the personality that you have established with your brand and figure out uh, what works well for you. Now, like I said, you're always going to have to test it. Now, for sending out emails, it always really depends. Um, depends on the day. Usually... Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday are about the top three days to actually uh, send it out. Sundays actually get the most uh, engagement because it's a low point and not actually a lot of businesses do it. So I would test it out into two different groups. Uh, send one one day, send one another day, see which ones get the most click through. Not the open rates. Open rates aren't really that big of a deal because open rates only mean that they have actually opened it and sometimes people can be like oh i didn't really want to open that and get out really quickly you want to see what the click-through rates is for you know converting over those uh subscribers onto your site and that's also a good way of just tracking what is actually going on too uh so i would i would try that out uh just to see uh, what works uh i would try out if you can do three groups i'd do three groups i'd do at least two um a, B groups, uh, do like Tuesday at 11 a.m. or you can do even earlier and then do like Thursday at 9 a.m. and see which one actually uh, does the best for it. Uh, this is the best way to gauge which one will will be the best day for you and then you can, and then you can still convert, figure out which days and times are the best. Um, but you know, just try to make it so everybody looks like they get the same thing and not different messages too because I've That'd be really bad if you kind of, you know, didn't really do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, I would I would try that. Now, for the email service provider, um, I'm using right now uh, MailChimp because it's it was I knew it was for, uh, really good, easy to use, really good, really robust. Um, you also have Constant Contact. contact. Uh, they are free, uh, both of them. MailChimp, I know of, has it's free until about 2,000 subscribers, and then you got to pay for it. Um, Constant Contact, you're going to have to check that. I didn't really check it out. You also have MailTrain, uh, which is a open-source uh, self-hosting newsletter app uh, that if you are more of a programmer, I would, you know, try to figure out too. Uh, and then you have AWeber, which is not going to be free, but it's more robust, has different, a lot of different tools for it as well, so you can try that out too. I would find the one that uh, fits in line with you the best. If you're just starting out, I would either try MailChimp or Constant Contact, uh, only because that they give you the free account and you can build it that way. And then eventually, if you need to pay for a subscription, you can pay for it or move on to something else and just take your list with you. Uh, that would be the best way of doing it. Uh, so check that out as well. Um, like I said, pick your times. I it usually says Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday are the best times, but I would also try out the weekends and see how well that does as well, because you never really know. People are not doing much in the weekends. They can check it. Um, mornings for the week are usually the best. I would check out, I would figure out mornings or uh, evenings for the weekends and see which ones 
hit the best as well too. It's always going to be different depending on uh, the industry as well. So it's not there's not really an exact you should always post it here. But with a lot of research from different Mailchimp and other different companies, Tuesday, Thursday, and Wednesday. So Wednesday's number three are the uh, three best days uh, for people actually engaging with email newsletters. But I would also not rule out the weekends too because you can always try it test it out see if it works if it doesn't work then do another day next time uh like i said this is all just trying to figure out what works for you um i would also try to implement emojis into your uh subject headline because the subject headline is going to be what is people are going to click on i'd also uh, try out through uh pictures and gifts if you can through your, through the email as well uh, to see if that engagement rate actually goes up. And I mean by engagement rate is the uh, click-through rate. Because the click-through rate, as once again, is one of the best indicators of if this is actually working or not. Because that means they're actually converting over. Now obviously some of them can be like, oh, I didn't really want to click on that. And they'll click out really quickly. But it's also one of the best indicators too. All right, guys, that is a show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in for Gamers Cafe tomorrow where I go through all the gaming news that's going on and uh, bemoan some other things as well. Mainly Division and their new updates are going to be happening, guys. Uh, also, uh, follow Digital Coffee on Twitter at DigitalCO77EE, Facebook at Digital Coffee Podcast. Uh, Instagram at Digital Coffee Podcast as well, and YouTube at Digital Coffee Podcast. Uh, and if you like these podcasts, please consider supporting me on Patreon. That would be a really great thing for me because it makes me feel so good that you like it. All right, guys. Hope you have a good rest of the day. And, hey, it's Wednesday. Later.